Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first ever edition of Football Today. You know this dude, Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants. I am Chris Rose. Producer Mikey along for the ride as well. And so, Bobby, welcome to our wild world where we discuss five topics this time in the football world. We are just so happy that the NFL is back. And basically, we're glued to it every day in between now and Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. Are you ready to roll? Oh, I'm I'm ready. I'm excited. You know, it was fun to have my laptop up during the game and just like writing down notes and then having to condense it because I know I want to spend 20 minutes on, you know, the Chiefs putting a tight end at quarterback on third to fourth down. <laughs> All right, I guess we will start with the kickoff game out at Arrowhead last night where the defending Super Bowl champs, they didn't have Travis Kelsey because of an injury. They didn't have Chris Jones, even though he was in the building, and he held out. Patrick Mahomes basically had to do it all on himself and couldn't get it done. And so the Lions with the big 21-20 to win. Let's start by looking at it from the Chiefs' angle here. Uh, Kansas City. We know that offensively, they struggle without Kelsey. They don't have a big-name wide receiver. Was this just a blip on the radar, or are there bigger issues here, even when Kelsey returns? Well, repeating to win a Super Bowl is hard, but at the, even with this loss, and even if they miss Kelsey for like a chunk of the season, I still think they're, at worst, like the number three seed in the AFC. But they did get a little cocky with their offseason, right, where – not only did they not have Travis Kelsey in this game, Ju- Juju Smith-Schuster was like a 950-yard receiver, and he's not mm-hmm. some world beater, but he's like quality NFL talent. Mikael Hardman, who I wasn't even a big fan of, like they lost him. And right now they're out there with, you know, Justin Watson, Rasheed Rice, a second-round rookie, Richie James, all these from the Giants. And it's just now look kind of ugly. But at the same time, there were so many mistakes, and they almost beat a quality team in the Detroit Lions too, where I don't think there's panic, but also it's like they – they're, they did get a little cocky with their wide receiver room in the offseason. Well, listen, first of all, I'm still amazed that after all these years, Travis Kelsey gets as open as he does. Like, you look at him, and there's always guys you circle on both sides of football, and you're like, that dude can't beat us. And when they traded Tyreek Hill a year ago, I don't care that Juju was there. I don't care that Cole was there. That's the dude you don't let beat you. And he was still was beating people and put up a great, great season. Now you take him out 48 hours before – kick happens and i think that the chiefs were kind of looking at each other going okay how are we going to get this done i I think cocky is probably a a real good way of putting this because now they've got guys sprinkled all over that wide receiver room that haven't done anything you know other than be drafted high Kadarius tony they traded for he was a first round pick of your giants uh sky Moore. i mean sky Moore was on the field it felt like for 50 or 55 snaps he didn't catch a pass. He didn't catch a pass. That's a second-round receiver. So, yeah, are we overblowing it? Absolutely, because it was the big game, Thursday night football, kicking off the season the whole bit. But if you're going trying to match up with teams like Cincinnati and Buffalo and the New York Jets and maybe the Baltimore Ravens, depending on what that offense looks like, and the Los Angeles Chargers, 
Like, I don't know if this offense will have the firepower that it had even last year without Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned with Kelsey, like he's the best tight end in the NFL by like a wide margin and consistently every single year where it's like you can't even really argue anyone up with him. So obviously he makes the world of difference out there. And if he's out there, they do win this game. And that's without Chris Jones. Um, But I also like, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're not panicking because, yeah, do you need Kadarius Tony to not drop the ball every time? But even if he just drops three passes and one doesn't pop up for a pick six, they win the game too. So like, even if it's not a good situation, it won't, the receivers won't be as much of a negative effect as they were last night for them. This is what I hate about the world that we live in. We always tend to focus on the negative. So I do want to give a little bit of love to Dan Campbell and his troops. I love that the fake punt was great, right? The NBC showed the graphic that they lead the world in fake punts since 2021, but to do it that deep in your own territory, I thought was pretty ballsy. I loved it. Uh, I thought Jared Goff played a pretty solid game on the road. We know that he's, carves people up in the dome at home on the road he's kind of a coin flip at best and I thought he was certainly good enough let's give the ball a little bit more to Jameer Gibbs please and it looks like their draft class already chef's kiss on that so this is a team that had the offseason hype the whole bit let's get on the train let's do this I think there'll be a real interesting story this year well, and in reality, like the Chiefs are a better team than the Lions when they have Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and Tony doesn't pop up a pick six. But from the Lions point of view, like good teams take advantage of the mistakes of other good teams where bad teams let the good teams off the hook for those mistakes. And the Lions are kind of establishing themselves as a good team. They've won, what, nine out of their last 11 games when you go mm-hmm. back to last year. Um, So like you need to take advantage like where. You know, if that was the beginning of last year's Lions, I don't think they take advantage of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, uh, you know, making mistakes like that, you know, and like you mentioned, the rookie class had some good impacts, you know, uh, Campbell breaking up a pass, Brian Branch, obviously, with the pick six. Um, and Goff did what kind of Goff does, like he did what thir- I, I had a stat 13 of 16 on in breaking routes, nine of 19 on the other one. So you still need a little more out of Goff if you want to take that like step to Super Bowl contender. But, like, I, I think the Lions fans should be really happy. Like, hey, we took advantage of a team making mistakes, and that's what good teams do. And one other rookie you want to keep your eye on is Sam Laporta, the guy out of Iowa. So, so far, so good through uh, 60 minutes of football for the Detroit Lions, a team that I think will win that NFC North in part because I think the rest of the division is eh, meh, as the kids like to say. All right, uh, let's move on to this weekend's games, and we've got a full slate on Sunday. We cannot wait. Uh, are you more interested in seeing the Ravens' new-look offense with Lamar Jackson and the bag and everything else taking on the Texans, or Sean Payton's arrival, and if it has any sort of impact on Russell Wilson as they take on the Raiders? To me, I think it's the Broncos by a, a wide margin. Like, the Ravens, yeah, there's going to be new stuff, but we know Lamar's good. Like, he was good, very good last year before being injured. He kind of had a down year in 2021, but he's good. But Russell Wilson... Like, I'm usually late to get off the bandwagon on guys, but, like, is are we just throwing Russell Wilson away after one year of awful coaching and, like, giving him free reign? Like, he's, he's always been a highly sacked quarterback, so it's not like just last year. It's like, oh, see what happens. Like, he's he was always a highly sacked quarterback in Seattle, but he had 40 touchdowns in 2021 before he got hurt the next year. And I think Peyton, Peyton isn't some, like, young whiz kid who's, you know, going to be scheming up stuff like crazy, but he's going to bring some structure there 
and not give Russell Wilson free reign of the entire organization. So yeah, like it, that's, I'm really intrigued on that. That's been my biggest offseason. Like I can't tell is Russell Wilson totally done and broken or can he be salvaged? You know, I'm interested. Do the Broncos have um, extra draft picks that I don't know about? Like every year they're trading halls and halls of picks, whether it's for quarterbacks or coaches, right? They give up a, you know, bunch of players and a bunch of ones and twos for Russell Wilson. And then they turn around and they give up picks, including a first rounder for Sean Payton. And if you look at some of the coaches, this is not the first time that a coach has been traded, right? For compensation. If, if you look at some of the guys, it's like John Gruden, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, Don Shula, like some of the greatest coaches ever. And Peyton already has a Super Bowl on his resume. Uh, I think he is walking in here ready to give a big F you to everybody. I think he sat on the sidelines last year in the Fox studios, those cushy Fox studios, watching all the games and realized, God damn, there's a lot of dumb play callers out there. I cannot wait to get back on the sidelines and start taking these guys bit by bit. The one thing I loved, I don't know if you read Seth Wickersham's column on Sean Payton and basically telling Russell Wilson, stop caring about Russell Wilson, Inc. And start caring more about Russell Wilson, the quarterback. Stop kissing babies. You're not a fucking politician. You're here to play quarterback for this team. Clean it up. And the fact that he went into a superstar's face and challenged him to me is a big, big deal. And so I can't wait to see if that works. And I think Russ should like kind of take that on. Like he's got to have some self-awareness to where like, Hey, last year was a disaster and it didn't work. Like, does he have enough self-awareness? Like, because they're going to move on from him if they don't like Sean Payton didn't, you know, Sean Payton didn't trade all those first round picks for Russ Wilson. Does do you think Russ Wilson has the like the self awareness to to not rein in what the what he did last year? Russell Wilson feels a little bit like baseball's version of a Rod. He really does. Like I would, you you could almost picture him. Remember the picture of a Rod kissing himself in the mirror. Remember that one? Very much so. Yes. Like, couldn't you imagine Russell Wilson doing that? Oh yeah. I'm, I mean, he probably has done it. I mean, the <laughs> what was what was the. Uh, Mr. Unlimited, which is like, who who, who ever told you you could put that out there? So, you know, the fact that he's been challenged, I think, is a really good thing for the Broncos organization. Now, do I think he'll get back to peak Russell Wilson? I don't know. You know, it's tricky when you're not six feet tall in this league. um, It gets tougher and tougher and tougher. And at one point, Drew Brees went from this amazing quarterback to a guy who looked like he had barely thrown a pass before. And, you know, your physical limitations can be a bother. In this league, I don't know if that's this Sunday. I don't know if it happened last year and he won't, you know, turn it back up and head back up the mountaintop. But I'm curious to find out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I just don't know if Denver has all the talent to really like, even if Russell Wilson was, we didn't have these questions. Like they don't have a lot, like Judy might not play. And it's basically just Cortland Sutton and Marvin Mims the rookie right. out of Oklahoma who are there. Now I think Mims is a great fit for Russell Wilson because he's that deep threat. Um, But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And their offensive line isn't, isn't the greatest, but it's, it'd be one thing if they had like the wide receiver core of last year where they had four solid guys, but Tim Patrick got hurt. Um, and then Jerry Judy may not play. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's even enough like good players there to within structure to be an offense that looks really good. So that'll be the question with, with uh, Peyton is 
is like is solid to good quarterback play enough for Peyton to really want to move forward with Russ, or does he need to like get back to greatness? It's a it's a good question. We'll leave it at this. When Russell was at his best in Seattle, he had good wide receivers, not elite, right? I mean, Doug Baldwin was a really good player. Yeah, Baldwin Tay and then Metcalf and Lockett were are both good receivers too. Yeah, they are good, but you know, he had he didn't have those guys real long. He had Lockett a little longer, but he didn't have DK Metcalf, you know, for years and years and years. He's still relatively young in his career. But the other guys were good, solid football players. They were never guys that you would go, that's a top fifteen wide receiver in the NFL. Good. Yeah. Solid. Which is like what Cortland Sutton is with what Judy yeah. is. Judy is Judy's one of the more frustrating players because yes, you see so many is. flashes of greatness, but he just never really puts it fully together. But Mims, I think, is a good fit though, because if there's one thing Russell Wilson hasn't lost is the ability to throw the deep ball accurately. And Mims is one of those I mean, he averaged twenty yards per catch at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. obviously in you know, a, not an NFL type offense, but he knows how to like work leverage and get open deep. So I'll be interested to see how like they fit together. Yep. All right, let's get to Sunday Night Football. I know you're super excited for the Cowboys taking on the Giants. Are you more confident that Dallas will make its first NFC Championship game in nearly 30 years, or that the Giants will prove that last year's playoff appearance was not a fluke? I think the Giants are going – like, it's more likely they prove that they weren't a fluke because they added a lot of talent, man. Like, and you you look at, like, some of the talent they added. Like, this, these aren't amazing outside of, like, Darren Waller. But you look at what they had last year, and it was it was so bad. Like it's kind of wild how they got through that year offensively with Marcus Johnson and David Sills starting games for them, and Richie James who had one catch for six yards for the Chiefs. Um, but honestly, it's more so just because I just don't see the Cowboys being an NFC Championship team. Like, are they are they more talented than the Eagles or 49ers? No. Do they have a QB who steps up to the challenge in the playoffs? No. And they definitely don't have a coaching advantage over either of those teams where. I just don't have confidence that Dallas is going to do it. Despite, I think, Brandon Cooks being the most underrated uh, addition of the offseason. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you're excited about your Giants, and and you should be. Um, and I think that they're definitely a playoff contender. Now, I still, I still see them as the third-best team in that division. Easily, easily. They're way less talented than the Eagles and the Cowboys. Right, and I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's a terrible thing. I, th- I think... You know, Philly, I would mark as the team to beat again in the NFC. I would put San Francisco a clear number two. And then I think Dallas is number three. But that's only because the rest of the conference sucks so much. I mean, there's just, you know, like um, Seattle could surprise us a little bit, right? They've had a couple of very, very strong drafts, it feels like, in a row. Um, You know, their secondary in the last couple of years has added a ton of talent there. You know, Geno... I mean, my God, a decade after we all thought Gino was going to be a good NFL quarterback, here he is, a Pro Bowl guy, and he he gets an extension. So that might be a team to watch. You know, we talked a little bit about the Lions. They're fine, and somebody has to win the NFC South, but nobody there will contend at all. Yeah, I think the Seahawks might be, like, a better team than the Cowboys um, right be. now. And, then and like, I think the Lions are competing. Um, but with the – like, if the Giants go 9-8, and eight, they could even miss the play, but like I think that would be more so like because they have coach like the coaching is good. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Daniel Jones, you know, make that offense at least be top half of the league with some of the worst talent in the NFL, and now they add a guy like Waller. The 
if the Gi- if Waller doesn't get injured, like the Giants will be significantly better on offense. Like it's it really comes down to that. Like even if Evan Neal struggles in year two, they were able to get by with him with no you know no really true weapon outside of Saquon Barkley in the running game, which they again they still have. Um, it's just I just don't have faith in the Cowboys. Like I told myself last year because I always I would always fall for it because they start off so great and then when they kind of get some film on tape and play the teams that are just as talented or more talented they just never win those games and i've kind of told myself i'm not letting the cowboys trick me anymore because they look amazing when they are playing teams that are, are lesser talented than them but they just don't step up to the plate versus the more talented teams No, it's it's interesting like they don't get blown out in games against teams that are better they just don't beat them and i think that's been really frustrating for the for dallas and you know you pay the premium when you watch the Cowboys you expect them to be better because they have stars on the side of their helmets it's a little bit like the Yankee syndrome like just because they're part of a historic franchise that you they have to be good everybody knows the Dallas Cowboys and they're very talented too like they are a very they are a very talented team they have a good quarterback in Dak it's just the expectation is no longer to just be a good team it's to take a like you mentioned the NFC championship which we haven't seen I will say this. I think that Dan Quinn has done a phenomenal job on the defensive side of the football, in part that because he has got the biggest freak in the sport in Micah Parsons, a guy that can do literally anything, right? His rookie year, he gets double-digit sacks, and he barely sa- rushed the passer 55% of his snaps or whatever crazy number it was. They increased that to get well over 80 most substantial pass rushers are high 80s, low 90s in terms of all you do, go get that quarterback, whereas we're not going to have you drop in coverage, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. They they stopped getting as cute last year with him. So I'll be curious to see what they do. Um, when you have a weapon like that, sometimes you just want to move them all over the chessboard and stuff. Let him do what he does best. And he could be like an old Lawrence Taylor where he just – can have such game-changing plays. And there aren't a lot of defenders with the way the football is played these days because it's so heavily slanted toward the offense that can alter and tip the board. Yeah, like I think Bosa and Garrett are better than him right now. Like I have Parsons at three, but nobody moves like Parsons in the NFL right now. And again, this was after year two of Micah Parsons. There's going to be growth in his game too, just like it was growth in their games. Um, Where I do agree. Like if you want to get a little cute with them on third down, line them up over the center or guard don't actually have him playing stack linebacker, which I think they're moving away from and rightfully so. But yeah, he's someone like that. Just even if you have good tackles, he's someone that like strike, like you have to game plan against, like you can't, you can't just my God, we've got good tackle play. No, you have to be ready for him every single week because he just moves and he makes you pay for every mistake. If you overset by half a step, he's going to kill you inside. You don't get deep enough. He's going to get around the corner and you, no matter how athletic you are. All right, let's have a little fun with this one before we move on to our next question. Is it better for the NFL if Dallas whets your appetite, like makes the playoffs every year and maybe wins a playoff game but loses in the divisional round, or if they make it all the way to the Super Bowl? Like, okay, well, here we go. We can't talk about the narrative of Dallas not making it again. Um. See, the Dallas has the biggest fan base, so it would be the biggest like Super Bowl like turnout and merch, but they also are the most hated, so people enjoy to hate it. But I think it'd be better for the NFL for them to win because 
there would be merchandise sold for the next 20 years if they were able to get back and win that Super Bowl. And you'd create legacies for Dak and anybody else on that team, Micah Parsons. So I, I think it's better for the NFL if they do end up winning it. But it's fun when they don't make it, isn't it? Oh, for the fans that aren't Cowboys fans, it's way more. It's they're the they're the most fun team to hate. Everyone loves to hate them. Like you look at all the big. I remember even going back to like the Facebook meme accounts. They all hate on the Cowboys, which has to drive you nuts if you're a Cowboys fan. But they're the team that everyone loves to hate. Uh, I will say this though, having had a chance to interview Dak the last several seasons, like he's solid. He's like a good dude, solid guy. Like he's. I think he's kind of easy to root for. It's just he's hit a brick wall, man, in the playoffs, in the divisional round. It's just like, eh. He's a top 10 quarterback, but he just he has to Ooh. step up in the playoffs, right? Where it's like that level of quarterback, I, I think people like to throw away them or throw them away. But where I do think where it's like, I, I don't want necessarily love this guy being on my team is if they don't step up on the playoffs, which Dak kind of has d- consistently not stepped up in those situations which I think is what is the difference maker of being happy with that tier of quarterback or disappointed. Interesting. You have him as a top 10 quarterback. Uh, so Mahomes. And Mo, I think no, him and Kirk Cousins are like the same player. I, I was going to ask you if you have one drive, Dak or, or Kirk Cousins, who are you taking? I'll take Kirk. Like I've seen Kirk do it. Like that. De- like, I mean, we saw it last year, all the comebacks they had. That defense was horrible. And Kirk and Kirk and that all and that wasn't like that Kirk that Vikings offense was really good. Their offensive line wasn't very good outside. Their tackles were good in Darisol and um, O'Neal, but their interior was really bad. Mm-hmm. Like all season yeah, last year, they were relying on rookies and get, uh, backup centers. They like he had he dealt with a lot more pressure than people realize. Um, where I do think Kirk is better than Dak right now, but yeah, I, I think they're like the exact same tier of player. I, th- I think I agree with that. And that's that's a weird thing because I don't I think if you were to ask most people, I think they'd be like, What? Why are you asking me that question? But I I think I agree with you. All right, let's move on. Um speaking of quarterbacks, we got Packers and Bears this weekend. Which former first round pick is under more pressure this season? Is it Jordan Love or Justin Fields? I think Justin Fields might be under more pressure than like any player in the NFL. Like he's been built up so big this offseason. And By it's itself. year three for him. It's a GM that did not draft him. They added a wide receiver one in DJ Moore. And despite him having this floor of a player that is high because of the rushing ability, had one of the best rushing seasons ever. When you watch him drop back as a passer, it's really bad. And it's not because he's not accurate. He's very accurate. He can make every throw that the best quarterbacks can make for the most part. But it's just he doesn't process the field. And you can add DJ Moore and stuff, and that will raise the floor some more too. And I think they're going to really use DJ Moore like crazy. But, like, I don't know if – and I don't know if that coaching staff is going to put him in, like, a bunch of easy situations. Like, he has to take a step forward as a passer. Or he's going to be a fun player, a player who wins games and has highlight plays, but not going to consistently win. And this is year three for him. Right. Yes. This is year and again, three. second year under a new GM too, which is like the G. It's not even if they should move off of him. If he's bad this year, the GM will move off to save his own job and get his own, and start a new window with a new cook uh, quarterback. Well, and this is the year where you have to show something so that you can then get paid before year four. And I, they're they're nowhere close to that with Justin Fields. There's no way that they can look at his tape and say, yeah, this is the dude that we uh we want to pay. 
$40 million a year to. There's just no, there's no possible way that that can, right? You, um, if they weren't drafting a quarterback, but I think if he's bad this year, they're like, they have the, the Panthers first pick and their own first pick. Right. It's in a year where everyone loves these quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't think they would pick up the option. And if you don't pick, if you don't pick up a quarterback's option, it's a death sentence, which I, I couldn't believe this stat when I looked it up, you know, Daniel Jones is the only player, a quarterback to ever have his option declined and resign with that team. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, and I know it hasn't been here that long, the fifth year option. So it's not like a 40 year history, but like that is kind of a death sentence. Um, and, but Hey, and Fields has all the ability, but like you said, I think it's, there's so much pressure on him and it's against the Packers. There's a big time rivalry there. You don't have like the Packers aren't slated to be this great team. So it's like, you're kind of expecting fields. If all this, you know, all this build up, like he should be good. I have to admit though, I am curious about Jordan love, right? It, at least when he played, sparingly last year you know you got in there a little bit you were like okay not terrible like he looked okay um but it feels like he's been put on layaway for four years yeah and and they basically put him on a two-year trial so even if he struggles to start if he gets better like they're not going to move off of him this after this year unless it goes god unless it's just flat out like unplayable type bad um but I do think, like with Aaron Rodgers gone, like I think there's not a lot of pressure on him. But like you said, he's this is guy was a first round pick. He was drafted as the you know the predecessor to Aaron Rodgers, and it's just like there's no buzz around him at all. No, none. I'm rooting for the kid, to be honest with you. I mean, I I think with everything that has happened with Rodgers in terms of, it feels like he's cultivated this new image. Like I'm a big brother to all these guys. I'll do whatever I can. I'll get back 35 million. We're all like, what happened to the guy in green Bay from the last couple of years who was saying controversial shit and felt like, you know, he never, never felt comfortable since Jordan love was taken there. And why won't you ever take a skill guy with a first round pick? And now in New York, it's been nothing but hugs and kisses. Like I want the old Aaron back by the way. I, I'm also like a history fan, so I think it'd be very cool for like like full history of football. If you ask me about like anything outside of World War II, I probably couldn't tell you anything. Um, where I think it would be just really cool to be like, hey, remember when the Packers had the exact same thing happen twice, where their longtime Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, MVPs, were a pain in the ass at the end, and basically they let them go, and then the quarterback who sat there for two three years comes in and is great. Um, which Rodgers wasn't even great that first year, and that was coming off no. an NFC Championship team. So I do think there's gonna like the Packers are a patient organization. So I think there's patience there. But I I am rooting. Like I want I want the and both get traded to the Jets after being a pain in the ass. I want the exact same thing to happen for the Packers and them just to have 45 years of free quarterbacks. Well, I suppose the biggest difference is that Aaron Rodgers, remember, was being discussed as the number one overall pick in 2005. Then he ends up sliding in the draft. Whereas Jordan Love, people were like, oh, is he a first-round pick or not? Yeah. That was the buzz around him. And then the Packers ended up trading up to to go get him. So it'll be interesting. That, that was before quarterback rookie str- – I remember – didn't Aaron Rodgers say, you would know this better, that he would have taken a pay cut to play for the 49ers? Because this was before there was structure to the rookie contracts. I feel like I remember that headline. You mean back when when he was drafted? or Yeah, when he was drafted because he wanted to stay in California. Yeah, he wanted to stay there. And I grew up a Niners fan, a couple hours away, the whole bit. But I think he's fine. He's made it just fine. 
Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, we finished with the big news from Thursday off the field that Joe Burrow is now the most highly paid player in the NFL. That's right. It was his time, so the salary structure goes up. Five years, 275 mil. His guarantee, 219 million and one penny. By the way, do, do we have any idea what the one penny's for yet? He has an I don't know what the Bengals like are doing with some of these weird things. Like, so one, they have $27 million more guaranteed than Herbert which is by a good amount and the two and a half more mil per year. I have a question because I have not figured why did they drop this during the opening drive? Cause I'd be like, Oh, it's petty, but no one cared. Like no one's talking about this because when they dropped about it, like I know they have this weird rivalry with the chiefs that that seemed to me like the worst time that like, cause it's the fifth topic on our thing. Like if they did this right now, it would be the biggest news on Friday. We'd stop talking about chiefs lines. We'd talk about the borough contract. Right. And, and it seems like no one cares. I don't know. It, it It is strange. To me, the big question is, you know, this was the, the main building block for the Bengals moving forward financially. They haven't exactly been an organization that has been all about spend, spend, spend. They have paid for some guys that they've kept around. They haven't paid. They haven't let a lot of talent walk out the door. It's just they haven't had this type of talent in recent years. But are you worried that they're going to be able to keep this team together now that they paid Burrow this amount of money? I was looking at some of the cap numbers and they're kind of in a good spot to do it, right? Like their free agents after this year are DJ Reader, who's one of the more underrated players, a yep, nose tackle for them. T. Higgins. I cannot let them I cannot see them letting T. Higgins go, right? Like that would just be that would just be a horrible PR move. Reader they could because it's a defensive tackle, it wouldn't get that much move. And then even like Tyler Boyd, he's gonna be a free agent, but they have Charlie Jones, the rookie out of Purdue right. in the wings. And they've got, you know. They've got cap space next year. They did let Jesse Bates walk, but they resigned their linebackers and Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. They're kind of in a good spot to take a three, four year run at this. The question, like you said, is are they are they willing to turn into the team that, you know, pushes cap down the road? Well, we'll see. Because the thing is, we've learned they can learn from their uh brethren up north in Ohio that once you do that, you better be willing to keep doing it and restructure guys and pay cash up front and things of that nature. I don't know if Mike Brown and his family have it in them. But so, I just feel like they have, they've had so much success that they're going to be bullied into doing. I mean, they've right. went to a Super Bowl and an AFC championship in, in two years. Uh, there are a lot of people's like Super Bowl pick this year. Like, even if they don't want to, I feel like they're going to be like bullied into it. Right. Like even possible. like do a baseball, like, there is no way that the Yankees could have let Aaron Judge walk, and I don't know the the finer right. details on that. But it's like, it just even if they thought it was smart, like injury, age, blah blah. It's like no, you cannot. Like we will bully you if you don't do this. Like it's kind of something they have to do. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of assurances they gave Joe Burrow during those negotiations. But those are things a lot of guaranteed money. What a lot more guaranteed money than Herbert and and Lamar. Yep. So they like they. They went out of their way to make sure this got done. Yeah, he got close to Deshaun Watson guaranteed money territory. All right, Bobby, this was uh, this was good stuff. This, I can't believe the half hour is come and gone just like that. But uh, we're going to be doing this a couple days a week, which will be fun. Um, are you ready for Sunday? You just kind of sit in front of a TV and just roll, right? Oh, yeah. And the Giants play on Sunday night, so I actually get to enjoy the one and fourth walk games yeah. without either being like wrapped up in excitement they won or misery they lost. Um and I, I also, I'm, like I mentioned before with the Russell Wilson stuff, I'm very late to the game on everything. And I, for years, I was like, 
I'm not watching Red Zone. I'm going to watch a game. I'm going to maybe I'll put up two screens and watch two games. And last year, I I started using Red Zone and I became a Red Zone guy after 10 years of like telling my friends that that it was stupid. Now I'm a Red Zone guy now. Yeah, it's never too late to join the party. Scott Hansen with it is time for the witching hour. That's, it's nuts. Like I really didn't like know about it until last year. Where I'm like, oh, this actually is way better. Like I'm, I'm locked in. It is. It is. Uh, it is crazy out there. All right. Special shout out to producer Mikey. Thanks for working the ones and twos today for Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Monday here on Football Today.